This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! Hey, I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor. And, and we're, we're the, the Boo Crew! Welcome to episode 75. It's Freaky Friday, a surprise episode for the weekend, and our special guest, Jamie Kennedy. He's here to talk about his new horror film, Trick, available in theaters and digital now. It's all about amped up action and gore, and the creation of a new horror icon in director Patrick Lussier's latest Halloween-themed seasonal slasher. Jamie also shares in detail the incredible stories behind the making of Scream and its importance in the lexicon of genre films. Years of guest hosting on Loveline is horror firsts and so much more plus he's absolutely hilarious and one of the nicest human beings ever remember on the boo crew everybody's a suspect hey everybody this is jamie kennedy aka randy meeks from scream that's right you want to successfully survive a horror movie well rule number one listen to the boo crew podcast that's right. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. You discharge your weapon five times into the guy. How's he still alive? He isn't. Trick comes back every Halloween. I've never been a believer. But this... Just pure evil. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy Studios, a world-renowned and award-winning comedian, producer, writer, and actor who's made a significant impact not only in pop culture, but has become an important part of genre and horror history. Boz Lerman's 1996 film Romeo and Juliet, Wes Craven's Scream franchise, he's a part of the Tremors universe, played an important part in Jennifer Love Hewitt's Emmy-nominated and award-winning Ghost Whisperer TV series, changed television comedy forever with 64 episodes of the Jamie Kennedy Experiment, a reality show he starred in and wrote. The starring role in Malibu's Most Wanted, a phenomenal arc as a serial killer in Criminal Minds, numerous comedy specials of his own, and a storied career as a stand-up comic. He stars in the new film Trick in theaters and digital. Now we are honored to welcome Mr. Jamie Kennedy. That just—that's uh, the greatest intro I've ever had, dude. You kidding me? <laughs> no, because it's like it made me realize, damn, I've done a lot. You've done yeah. a lot, and, and a lot of important shit too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I just have to say this before we start. Like people who don't know what I'm walked into, this is—I am blown away. I am blown away by your passion for what you do and your living. I tell people this, you know, and I mean it's hard for me because I'm not perfect. But you have to live your passion. And you might be the closest person I've ever met to living their passion. Wow. Wow. That is the, it's like the best compliment I think I've ever gotten. Like, we've never gotten that. It's incredible. It's fucking beautiful, dude. Like, it's like, I want to, like, sell my house now, (laughs) buy a big house in the hills, and fucking just vegetate. And, like, the people who don't understand who's here, because... You, this place is like I could cry. It's like Aww. it is like a beautiful homage to the movies that they love. Not just genre, but mostly genre. 
And it's they've got Jack Nicholson from Shining, Recreations. They've got Harry Potter. They've got pieces of spaceships of Brightburn. <laughs> These are people that are 1,000% passionate about the movies and TV that they like. It's incredible. I your house is immaculate. Thank <laughs> you, immaculate. Wow. Thank it's, you. It's it's really I'm with just four blown kids. Away. With four kids, yeah. that really means an extra. That means uh, yeah, so that means much. a lot. <laughs> I, I'm more people need to come into your house and see how you live your life to realize how to live life. Whoa, oh, damn! Because you really do. You I'm seriously, I'm having like a philosophical <laughs> moment here. But You're I'm, like I'm my I'm, favorite guest. No, I'm just. It's just it. It's hitting me because it's just so. Everything is so meticulous, but it's not forced. It is what you love. Like I would love. I've been to some great Halloween parties. Please have a Halloween party. Oh, oh yes. dude, it would be an honor to have I you attend the Halloween party. So here. people, <laughs> the Boo Crew, you, it's the greatest. Wow. <laughs> what would you think? The advantages would be of surrounding yourself with things that you love in a creative space. I think creativity is just just not massaged enough. I'm not. What's the word? It's not nurtured. Yeah, nurtured. Yeah, yeah. It's not nurtured enough. Like last night, I was watching the debate, and I'm not political. I don't want to go down that road. But like, all these people were not speaking to me. And they were speaking of like some. It's like someone who goes to college, and then someone is wearing Medicare, and someone is this. And it's like that's not how I think. That's not how I ever thought my life. There's a whole bunch of people that don't think and act like that. These are like I feel like those are people that are training people to get into the world of like worker bee. Yeah. And there's a ton of people that don't want to be worker bees. And there's a ton of people that are worker bees that wish they weren't worker bees. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be a worker bee, but what I'm saying is, why can't we have somebody up there talking about art and music and horror? And it's like, I don't know how to explain it. I'm not doing a good job. But what I'm saying is, creativeness is so undervalued sometimes as a growing up society. We're put into a school, we're put into a college, figure out a career. It's never like, hey, do you want to be an actor? Hey, do you want to be a dancer? Hey, are you a horror buff? What are you? Do you like to cook? Do you like to, you know, paint? And this house is an example of, hey, man, what's your... I don't know. I like to take the pinball machine from I Spit in Your Grave 3. And it was a one scene, and I I got this for a song out of a guy in Flagstaff. He had it in his garage, and he sold it to me for 800 bucks. And I mean, that's beautiful, you know? You, you get that reference. But, uh, someone left an old uh, tennis racket from the Green Inferno. Uh, Eli I mean, that's the type of stuff you have here. It's incredible. So, because someone who's in the game and someone who has tried to be in the game, I understand. I understand how hard it is to get this stuff. I understand yes. how beautiful it is to get this stuff. And I understand people who really appreciate this stuff. Yeah. You know the value of what you have. And it's crazy. Like, I could give you stuff from my collection. It's just like you would treat it better than I do. And it's just incredible because we'll you really it. love yeah. movies. <laughs> Speaking of stuff that's in your own collection, I mean, that's a great question. Like, yeah, what have you kept? I keep a lot like, of stuff. I'm very zen. You know, I try to be because uh, my mind is, uh, I'm a Gemini. And I think, you know, I'm always thinking of things. So if I walk into a clean, serene space, it's easier for me to create. Because yeah. I don't have to think of anything, right? But if I see 10 things, I'm like, oh, what do I got to deal with that, right? Yeah. So I 
tried at my garage was my museum and then I got busy and then I got some more clutter down there and I got to figure it out but I've got stuff that, that would honestly if I told you what I have you might explode <laughs> oh, ghost, ghost, face, a ghost face mask um, yeah obviously I have a ghost face mask nice. like one of the OGs I'm drooling crazy uh, ready fresh drive shirt <gasps> okay you ready <laughs> green hush puppies you know what it is oh. red <laughs> Hawaiian shirt, R and J, the pillow wrap gift from Leo with the beating heart, R and J, George Clooney army stuff from uh, the war movie I did. What Three Kings? Yeah, yes. the suit from Boiler Room. I got a ton of stuff. Oh, my tremors, cool. my tremors jackets are so like I want to wear them, but they're not comfortable. And I almost was like, I want to get rid of these. I mean, I should give them to you. Yes, I mean, yes, you should. I should give them to you. Do you I have them on have, display. No, I have them in a bin. Oh. Because I do know they're valuable, and yeah. I do have a lot of stuff in this way. I will say I have a lot of stuff framed. I've got framed posters and framed scripts and stuff, but I also have a lot of stuff that is just needs to be framed. But, like, I have, you know, I've got, like, um, Wes gave me a wrap gift, and it's a little box with a finger in it and a note telling me how much he liked me and Scream. Oh, oh my that's God. Amazing. That's cool, man. so killer. Yeah, I know. And I almost should give it to you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> because yes. it's like yes. you guys, because you guys will know how to display it. Oh yeah! And it's yes. like yeah, and I have other stuff too. Like I did a reading about seven years ago for an animated movie with a bunch of actors, and it was for Disney. And Disney had has Pixar, but now they're ramping up Disney Animation, mm -hmm. which was underused and now it's getting really big now you know there's pixar does pixar which is huge but frozen was disney animation so now they're almost going to have two divisions and so i did a movie and i played a uh, tiki torch mm. that's awesome and john lasseter and all of the people were there and it was amazing experience and i did not get the movie and i was like bummed and then when i saw the movie the tiki torch turned into like a chicken <laughs> And I have a signed script saying, thank you for doing the reading and helping make this movie a reality. So I've done this with a few movies where you're part of the table read. Yeah. And they see it and they hear it. And then they go, thank you. That's all we need. And you ready for the movie? The movie was called Moana. <gasps> no! The, screen, the beautiful script signed by Disney saying thank you, which was nice. So it's like, that's something Aww. that people don't realize. It's like you go down that road and then it's just, I was happy to be part of that. I wish I was in the movie, but I still helped. What yeah. a cool like that's view cool. of behind yeah. the curtain, right? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That's so cool. So you just, yeah, I mean, it's, but so I keep all types of stuff. Okay. So let's talk about Loveline because- yes. I love talking about Loveline. So I was junior, 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 junior producer, Lauren, Ooh. on the show when Adam and Drew were there. Very important role. And um, you were my most favorite guest. Wow. Because you came on and you were so, you're so funny and you're Thank so you. smart and you're creative and you're just awesome on the radio and in conversation. I just want to know, like, looking outside like, what was it like answering these crazy calls? I honestly, if you really want my truth honest. Yeah, I do. I felt like we never, we, this is going to piss people off. I felt like we never really addressed the problems all the way. Right. Yeah. And I, and I kind of got annoyed with that. 
I get it. I feel like some people called and they had dumb questions. They sure like did. Like some guy was like, you know, so like, um, my penis got stuck no, in the it's door. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, like I was with my girlfriend and like I got an erection and like we didn't do it, but like before we did it, like some ooey stuff came out of the tip of my penis and like, do I have a rash? Is that olive oil? And it's like, oh, it's pre ejaculation. Well, I'm wor- like, the, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the dumbest. <laughs> questions like, and then some right. people would call in to try to be funny but then people would call in and they would have like a serious problem and then they would like you know it'd be like she'd be like listen um i you know i love putting needles in my arms and yes. um yeah. you know i also love having sex with random men behind motels you know and it'd be like listen that's uh you know whatever listen that's something you got to go to therapy for but why do you do that well and then hold on all right we're gonna go to tell taco we'll be back i mean it wasn't enough <laughs> right. commercial it was so i I feel like that was awesome, but I, it was a fun time. It was great, but I feel like some people really did have problems. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a weird forum to address complicated issues, you know, yes. but I would say that was really, that was a precursor even to the internet, right? That was the only place that a lot of young people could probably call and find any answers right. to any of that stuff for yeah. a while, right? That was the thing that made it so successful. No one was doing it. Yeah. And it was beautiful. So it was a beautiful service. But I do feel that like there was some really, we answered some questions, but yeah. then yeah. it's hard. You have a celebrity on or an actor and they're plugging something. Someone has syphilis, <laughs> you know, <laughs> People are making a joke. Dr. Drew's giving a diagnosis. There's a lot going on. It's a lot. It's just one memory I have specifically. I was listening to Loveline. You were on. I had to pull the car over. You were telling this story and Dr. Drew couldn't even talk. He was laughing so hard. (laughs) All I remember was you saying, fat fanny, fat fanny. Oh, yeah. Over and over. I don't remember the context (laughs) of the story, but that's what I remember. If you want, I can do Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they were... You know, Dr. Drew will say this stuff to people, and he's and he is really he's really good at it. I mean, I've called him in life. You know, I've gotten to know him. Like, I... I, I brought him one time to, with me with a girlfriend and he met me and I was like, how's this relationship going to work? And he's like, oh, this person is this and you're that. So uh, if this were a ship, uh, both of you should hang on to that mast because it's going to be really bumpy. And I'm like, could it sink? He's like, oh, it could sink or it could be smooth sailing, but hang on. And it was like, and the girl was like, what? What are you like? So I would call him for like life diagnoses. You know, he'll say stuff you don't realize. Like I had a partner, Stu Stone, who I used to rap with and like he said oh man I could see he started talking and he's like yeah I can tell you got a lot of uh, deep-seated family issues and the guy wouldn't talk he's like he left the interview so Dr. Drew is really good at reading right away what your issues are and so I grew up in Philly I was from uh, you know I went to Catholic school all this stuff and we were talking about you know I did this joke about I was an altar boy but you know I wasn't even touched which made me feel like I wasn't even cute. You know? <laughs> so I had to join the Boy Scouts. I'm sorry. So so he was like, he's like, but you were surrounded by that stuff. And I'm like, I think I was, but like, I don't know. And he's like, well, tell me some of your childhood. So I told him and I was like, yeah, it was like kind of him who made me realize it. Like, I remember I used to play baseball and, um, that's when I realized this is where you got to watch out for the creeps, you know, the the people that are dicey. It's volunteers. If you're like a 63 yes. year old man and you're volunteering for like a nine year old baseball game, that was a little suspect. Okay. <laughs> so we had a lot of those down in our park. And I remember I was in a double header. My boy was pitching and I was catching and we went to go to the bathroom. And I remember we heard the toilet flush and our pants were kind of halfway down and he hit 
came up behind us. He goes, good game, boys. Let's get number two. And he went, psh, psh, and he goes, you got a fat fanny. And he, <laughs> oh and he smacked my ass. And I'm like, I got a fat fanny. What am I? My fat? He's like, no, you're not fat. My boy's like, no, you're looking good. He's like, you got a fat fanny. And he's like, let's go, boys. And he like gave us a couple of smacks, which was normal in baseball. Now, I didn't feel a digit go anywhere, but it was near that area. I'm nine. I'm not even double digits yet. Oh, hey, boys. And then he watched. And he, he's come to all my games. And I was always getting a soft pretzel and water rice. You got a great fat fanny. Yeah. Got to lose a couple pounds there. And then I... It was like, not till I was like 43 on the love line, Dr. Drew's like, yeah, um, he was trying to do stuff with you. And I was like, what? I'm like, I thought he was just a sports nut. And so stuff like that, that was hilarious. So that was, but yeah, so I, I've had a lot of like a little like, you know, hey, good kidding you, kid, stuff like that, but nothing weird. That wasn't weird to me, but I guess it is weird now. Right, right. Yeah. When you look back, yeah. As an adult. Yeah. I guess he probably would have liked to go on swimming with me. Me and my friend. Sure. <laughs> so, so let's go back to your. Now we'll uh, go back to movies. <laughs> you got a fat fatty. <laughs> but Drew loved it. I think he just loved that character. Yeah, like, a good character. How denial I was. I'm like, oh, no, man. he just really likes baseball. <laughs> no. I could be like a Bad News Bear sequel or something. Yeah. <laughs> that was our movie as a child. So there was always a grumpy old coach, you know? <laughs> right. Hey, so let's go back into your personal uh, horror history. Yes. When did you first discover the genre? Was it a movie or experience? Or I think one of the... Oh, this is so good to talk about because you guys will love it. I think one of my first, first, first horror movies, the first one that ever had an effect on me was Exorcist. Wow. And I was about nine. I was about 11. See, I saw that at that exact same age, man. I think about that. And it was probably, I didn't realize that when you watch a horror movie at any age, it can be traumatic. Yeah. I didn't realize that at 11, I was basically jumping into the super steroided horror movie. (laughs) They threw me into the fucking frying pan fire. They took pinhead's needles and put them in my eyes. I'm fucking 11 and like my mom strict all this stuff Catholic upbringing blah, 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 no TV past nine all this yeah. stuff and I had this kid Carl and we were both in the same BMX crew so we were BMX bikers and we would go and do BMX tournaments and Carl's parents let him do whatever he wanted so that was the house to go to so when I'm fucking 11 he had like cable which was a big deal in yeah. Philly and we stayed up late and my sister said you know was babysitting me I said I'm going to Carl's and I went to Carl's and we watched the Exorcist, and it was like when I got to that scene of you know what, let you know what. Yes, oh, yes, no. yes. I don't even want to say. It. I'm like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> talking about the. I mean, you're talking yeah. about damaging me. Yeah. That's PTSD, and it effed me up for so long. I went home. I was upset. I was almost crying. I had seen things I never thought. I mean, that was actually terrible for me to see it at that age, and that was my intro into horror, and it effed me up and today's day i think it's the scariest horror movie i think it's because the boogeyman is not the boogeyman it's the devil the devil can come inside of you and be with you and it's not something you can kill and it's not something that runs it's like an entity and that's the scariest thing it's like poltergeist was scary as fuck and then my first one of my first movies might have been my first movie i ever rented was like beach body patrol or some tna movie and Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. And one of the things I remember so much about Nightmare on Elm Street is the Johnny Depp death. 
Yeah. I thought yeah. that guy died in a weird, cool way, and I thought he was interesting. I mean, that's probably his star quality. And I just thought that guy's interesting. And I remember I never seen Freddie when he came out over the bed, and that was akin to The Exorcist, where you cannot escape your boogeyman. Right. He, Jesus, where we go to our beautiful place of leisure, you're fucked. Yeah. Think yeah. about that. And so that was my number one. And my number two. So by the time I was 13, I'm fucked. <laughs> Think about that. And I was never like a super fan of like horror, but I liked it. I used to watch all types of movies, but I watched what I could get at the video store. So Faces of Death. We had this little Korean guy and he turned his grocery store into a video place and it was called Family Video and he had the best video place in town. This was before Blockbuster, but even when Blockbuster blew up, it was his spot and he was kind of let us, he go, yeah, yeah, I'm not not going to do the impression. I'll get in trouble. It's 2019. But he'd be like, you want face it that? Okay, you can do it. That. And he would rent us the stuff kind of when he shouldn't have. And it was, he was cool, you know? And so I saw some stuff I probably shouldn't have saw, like Faces of Death. Remember that movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Allegedly a snuff film for the most part, right? Oh, a couple really? A couple things were faked, but a lot of it, yeah, it was real. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that twisted me up. I, and I had Scarface. I had watched Scarface forever and I had that and I just lent it out and then he just said, you keep it and you pay me later. And I had tons of, I watched that a ton of times and I watched uh, Beverly Hills Cop a ton of times. <laughs> Those like my three, and Bloodsport. So nice. So nice. I had a good mix. So, so, so you were traumatized by movies like Exorcist and, and Nightmare on Elm Street. What about it made you even keep going down the road and yeah. looking up horror? Was it because you were so freaked out by it? They were like, what is this feeling? I hate to say that they're genre movies because it's disrespectful. They're just good movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. A movie's a movie, right? And I hate that it has to be, you know, Scream is almost bigger than it's ever been. It has made a impact on the lexicon of pop culture yes and it's just a good movie right and i think that why i liked it because you're at that age and you're in puberty and you invite a girl over or you're you know you get together with your friends and you're in your basement or your friend's basement and it's like you watch two cassette tapes and it's just like oh man it's gonna be movie night and it's like saturday night and you're like 13 years old right you can't go out that late so it's like you know you watch the breakfast club or you know a nightmare on elm street or before this is before the breakfast club but you know you watch some kind of porkies or and that and it was like you get popcorn and it was it was a beautiful time you ride your bike all day and then you hang with your peeps and it was girls and boys and it was it was i don't know it was something bonding about being scared in a room together yeah right you know what i mean and, and the girls that was like the date move get the scary vhs tape and have the girl come over and you know she's gonna like jump on you right like, yeah, that's yeah. true cuddle up <laughs> let's go to the the making of scream which i'm sure you've talked to death about, but I think it's really important to address here because every single guest we've had in here who's 40 years old, you know, mid 40s and under, when you ask them, what's the first experience you had with a horror film? Scream. Yep. What's your favorite horror film? Scream. Wow. Did you guys know, did you have any inkling? I mean, obviously you're, you were aware of Wes Craven at the time and his impact, but did you realize the iconography that was about to be created while you guys were making it? I got to tell you, there's so many things I could say to that. I'm going to try to give you the best informed answer. It was just like the convergence of all of like the best things at once that just happened. So many like, like I, there's 12 answers to that, but I'll try to give it to you. It was like, first of all, it's just an amazing script that's just like kind of like, I believe, I can't speak for him, but like Kevin, like almost just like came through him and he like wrote it, I believe in like a weekend or a week 
in Palm Springs. Wow. Like the way you should Damn. write a script. Like hold up. And he just <laughs> just wrote this script. So the script was, and, that, and, and so yeah, I was early on in scripts and like, you know, you don't get to read a script like that now. It's been almost 25 years and it's still just one of those great scripts. It's simple read. It's intriguing. It's cool. It's different. It's not a lot of bunch of verbose BS. And then it's, the genre was dead. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, what is this? And then West was an iconic figure who had just come off a misfire with Vampire in Brooklyn. And then you had this young company that was being started by the brother of a guy that was very successful with artistic fair. And he used that money because he wanted to make more commercial stuff. And it was Dimension. And, you know, then Drew was offered the lead and said, no, boom, and said, I'm going to get killed, which again helped to make the movie bigger. Change so the game, had, man. It's like yeah. so many different things that were going to go one way that went the other way and it just kept adding and adding and adding. And then that first kill scene with Drew was what Wes, they went to Khan and they didn't know what the hell they had. This was told to me by Wes and they showed that scene and that's what got excited at the foreign con market of like, yes, this could work. And then we got Courtney and Friends was just blowing up and yeah. she like got in and then Nev was on Party of Five and this was her first time role and they the perfect ingenue for the audience to discover and yet for her to blow up into a star and then Ski with all his beautiful smoldering lists and then <laughs> you know and Matthew with you know his creative inventiveness and David Arquette was right. looking at Skeet's role and I don't know if they ever came to fruition or not but he's like you know what I really like Detective Dewey. And that was not supposed to be written for David. He talks about it. It was more like a bumbling dude. And he was like, here's this good looking, cute, vulnerable guy who's sweet, but a cop. And it was, and it's just so, and then me, like unknown. And it's like this character who's meta commenting on everything as it's going to happen. And you think this can't be real, but it is. And it's like, oh shit, it's happening. It's like, what am I watching? And then my name is Jamie and I'm watching Halloween. And I'm telling Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie, look behind you. I'm on the couch and the killer's behind me. It's meta on meta on meta it's like inception <laughs> and it's like holy fuck what did we make and we're in a small town and we're all making this movie we're all huddled together we're eating at the local denny's and we're like what are we doing and there was a huge movie making up there at the time called inventing the abbots mm -hmm. inventing the abbots it was ron howard it was billy crudup it was you know it was prestige and all this which is great and this should be and it was that was the movie where there's two movies up to film at a school and this school was like a super academy and they said inventing the abbots or scream and they looked at inventing the abbots and they were like this is what we want in a representation of our school you know not this scream horror <laughs> bloody blah blah and Wes was like well screw you I'll go to the local school and he went to like the public high school and they were like come on in and then like that helped the schedule work out for Henley Winkler to like be the principal That's and funny. it's just like so many things of you know whatever kismet shirt whatever just they happen and it was just boom and then we made it and we like we all bonded in wine country so we would drink wine and you know some of us would smoke something you know and we would eat amazing cheese i remember we eat a lot of cheese and bread and mm -hmm. wine i mean it sounds like a great time and like have like prosciutto and we're like what are we doing and we like we'd have normal hours from like nine to like six and we'd have cast dinners and we all everybody was 
part of it. There was we were all just in this thing together. Love was being formed and relationships. I mean, two couples came out of that. Matthew and Nev. Yeah, that's you right. Know, Courtney and David seemed to fall in love. I mean, there's a lot, you know. And um, me and Earl had a moment. <laughs> That was like, who was, I'm like, dude, there's no girls left. It's just me and you. It's like, I'm married, buddy, but I'll go down to IHOP with you. Like, that's not, and it was, but it's also my first movie. I was scared, you know, so, so much happens. Did, did we know? We thought, we thought if we could make like 15 million at the box office and then just be on like VHS and killing it. I thought that because there was a whole story about Louis Gossett Jr. Who's a legend. And he became a second stardom again after he did a bunch of movies that they just said, screw the movie theater. His VHS has sold so well that Louis Gossett was making a ton of money doing movies just for VHS. And I thought, well, we could be a Second Life movie, maybe, right? Sure, like yeah. people will discover us because we knew it was good. Do we have any idea it was going to be? I had no idea. I thought it was going to be good. But I didn't know if people would come out. I mean, we're going against Christmas, Mars Attack. We opened up against that. One fine day, Michelle Pfeiffer, George Clooney. And here we are, this little engine that could. And every week, those movies went down and our movie went up. And I knew we had something because when I went to, to Bruin in UCLA, I watched it there. Crazy reactions. Kids are like, dude, bro, fuck. Right? And then I was in Universal and I watched movies up there. That's a Ford Quadrant. And people are like, oh my God. And then I went down to Magic Johnson. People are like, yo, man, run. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I thought, we're hitting everybody. Yeah. yeah. So that's when I realized we might have something because then I saw it in New York and I thought, okay, 42nd Street, Midnight Showing. Everybody's here, all types of people, they're into it. And I thought, boom. There's a couple of theaters in the country you go to to see that. And that's one of them. So I saw Titanic, so you can see what's going to work. Interesting. Wow. Your character in that movie, it really is, and I might be talking out of my ass here, but as far as I know, the first character in the genre to break that fourth wall. When you were reading the script and you saw your monologue the iconic monologue with the rules of horror films. Right. Yeah. Did that like blow your mind? Did you understand how your character is so important in the lexicon, as we said, of horror because of those things? You're the first one to say, hey, this is a horror film. It's kind of funny. Like, I feel like he broke the fourth wall, but didn't because he never looked at the camera. Anything, it's true. But he did break it cerebrally. Yes. yes. And so, honestly, I was so young and so hungry and so green that I just thought this is a role and there's a lot of words between my character and then the next character. Yeah. And I thought this is going to be this is why I thought I thought I'm going to have some really good tape. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to have scenes and people are going to see it and then I can give this tape to get like a really good audition, you know? Like that's what I thought. Like yeah. I'm going to have and I thought it was really amazing and I just thought, how can I act this out? And at the time, Quentin Tarantino was everywhere. I mean, not that he isn't now, but he was everyone in Hollywood, everywhere you talk, his mark was on, whether what he was directing, what he was acting in, what he was talking about, and how he was a cinephile and how he worked in a video store. And so I had watched a lot of Quentin Tarantino. Actually, I watched interviews. I watched some of his movies. I watched Dust Till Dawn, but I watched his acting. I watched him talking. I looked at his directing and I thought, this guy would 
be a fan of Quentin Tarantino and he could be Quentin Tarantino as somebody who's so passionate about movies and this is what it is. And don't you want to understand what the fuck is going on here? And it's going to be... Brrr. And works in a video store as yeah. well. Yeah. So that's Same what thing. I felt it was, it was part of Quentin's character inspired that. To let you in on a little bit of the magic, the real magic that Scream has kind of spread is a lot of the creators who come in here, like I said, who reference Scream as the first thing. They also say Scream was the gateway. It was the first time I heard them talk about Evil Dead, the town that dreaded sundown, Halloween. The first time they heard all these movies was mentioned. They were directly referenced in the script of Scream. So that not only was Scream something that impacted them, but it served a roadmap of what to go back and watch. And then they discovered all of these classic films because of Scream, which I don't think has ever been done. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Scream was a touchstone moment, but that is still here. And I'll explain that to you. That really kind of, I think it crossed over horror films. It was self-referential and homage and yet it was perfectly 90s Right, yeah, and kind of, kind of helped mold the '90s, right? Of like what the craft did too. You know, there was movies like that, and you know, I put it in there with Clueless and those type of movies that were touchstone moments. It really did. It had those movies made by horror fans and horror creators that also that were horror lovers. So it was like if you made Scream, it's like they people did live it. Like Wes's house is not that different than your house he has a lot of his own memorabilia in his house and other movies so i mean this is you he would be very very in love with your house so it's like so and and toby hooper yes you know who also loved you know screaming i got to work with him and yeah i mean toby hooper made texas chainsaw another touchstone moment so scream they said heated up horror again but it i don't know it changed it yeah there was never anything that was like that, that took upon all the stereotypes, commented on them, watched them happen as they did and say, it was, it really, I don't know. It's weird talking about it. Cause it is, it's like, it's like doors, you know, it's almost like right. dimensional. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? It like, really yeah. is. It's like the way it, yeah. And, it, and it's, yeah, those movies I never knew of some of them either. either. Yeah. And you know, evil dead is now bigger than it's ever been. Let's fast forward to trick. Now there's commonalities that mm-hmm. some people may not realize is that Patrick Lussier, who directed and wrote this, was directly involved with Wes for a long time. I feel like he's like such a close version of Wes. Like Patrick is, he was on the editor and all the uh, screams and he's just quiet and reserved and very well thought out and planned and cerebral. And he's, you know, he's like Wes. Like Wes always had a quiet calm, you know? So when I got the first scream audition, I thought, hmm, She's like, you're, you're really good. Can I have you come back? And I like knew where I stood. And then she's, and next thing I know, two days later, I'm in the room with Wes Craven and he's like, that was a good job. (laughs) And I'm like, he hates my guts. (laughs) And then they were like, boom, Wes really likes you. But like, you couldn't tell, right? He, you know, never too high, never too low. And Patrick has that same type of thing. And it's like, did you get it? And he's like, I got it. Like, he's so confident. It's so nice to work with somebody who A is an all tour 
directs, writes, edits, everything. Right. And B, knows what he wants. And C, he's done it. He's done a lot of great, amazing things that have touched, I mean, from Terminator to Screams and My Bloody Valentine 3D. He's done a lot of things. He knows what he's doing. And so I was honored. I mean, he's like, yeah, I got this part and, you know, it's a little part here, but it's going to pop. And here's what I think we can do with it. And I got Omar and, you know, I got this person. I was like, this is great. I mean, I'm like, I'm well, just tell me when. And I believe that that's, you know, I believe he's got a little something here that could grow into something. The movie really t- did well last week at the screening. We saw a movie and uh, was blown away because I'm always looking for that original idea. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what Scream was back in the day. Mm-hmm. And when I saw this movie, I'm like, wow, this is such a refreshing idea, concept. You, well, I believe... I didn't see it coming, man. Until okay, so that. if you didn't see that coming, that's good because you're a cinephile for this. So that's what I felt. I felt that I don't want to give it away. Right. I felt that that I did not see coming either, right? Yeah. In a weird way, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but it's like art imitating life, imit- life imitating Right, like you could see how, why, where he got the idea. You could see how people could do this and what it's very today. This idea is very perfect for the way I believe if it would go down, it would go down today. Did you keep anything from Trey? <laughs> <laughs> just, just you asking. know what I did? I kept my Hawaiian shirt. Yes. <laughs> Wait a second. I don't recall the Hawaiian shirt. Good. I, but I love the the knife and oh yeah, fighting. I mean yeah, there are some cool the stuff and there are some it's iconic, stuff. right? Yes. Yeah. Has yes. there ever been a pumpkin mask? There was Pumpkinhead, uh, right? Halloween three, Halloween three season. You know what? Another thing that's interesting about this movie Could, is that there's not a lot of movies that horror movies that take place on Halloween, right? Okay. Yes. Well, I thought Halloween does. Well, Halloween obviously, but, yes. right. but besides that, you know, Halloween three season of the witch, and then most recently Trick or Treat, right? Candy Corn, but. There's not a ton. No. no, no. You know? And I felt like the iconography, that mask. Have we used that mask before? Mm-hmm. And then the knife. Yeah. So I, I felt like I did feel like I was watching it and I saw the branding happen. Yes. And I thought, yeah. okay, that, I could see that in a convention. I could see people wearing that. Yeah. I could see people hopefully wearing my one costume in that one scene where I was administering it <laughs> and I, I was dressed like Frank. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I could see like, oh, maybe, oh, what are you for Halloween? So I felt like there was grabbable moments that right. people could pop onto. And, you know, this weekend I was in a convention in Calgary. It was awesome. It was called Hex. And it was Halloween and, and entertainment and collectibles and it was different people there. And I saw a guy named Mr. Jingles. And you know who Mr. Jingles is? American Horror Story? Yeah! yeah. He's the newest. He'll be an iconic character. Yep. He's great. He's John Carroll Lynch and he collects ears. You should watch American Horror Story. It's incredible. Is this uh, the 1984 yeah. one? Okay, yeah. And Mr. Jingles. And I was like, oh, there's Mr. Mr. Jingles. And so I felt like that will be a character that people will be. And so I feel like hopefully Trick, I think, will be a character that people will oh, be. Definitely. If people feel that they can act it and wear it on Halloween, then you got a successful movie. Yeah. Harkening back to Scream and the similarities between Scream and Trick in a way that Scream changed the game when it came to slasher movies. Up till then, you had Jason and Myers slowly ambling about. You had Freddy with really creative kills and bringing the theater to it. And where this movie picks up is that high-octane, pull-no-punches approach to slashers where when the slashing starts, it's vicious, it's visceral, it's crazy. Do you think that has anything to do with what it takes to frighten or get into the heads of an audience in 2019 is to amp it up so much that it's just like, oh God, 
Uh, would you call it gory or would you call it more violent? I would call it a, a combo. A, yeah, both. combo. Yeah, it's, it's both. both. It's both extremely yeah. violent. Like the violence yeah. is like almost overwhelming. As, yeah. I, as a genre fan, we love it, but it's like it breaks the mold as far as that goes. You I, know? Yeah, I would say that 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 when I watched it, I was taking it back. I was like, ooh, and I'm like in the movie. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> and I think, but when I say like, go to these conventions, it's like this is gonna sound so crazy, but you'll get it. But like to the common man, they might not. Is like horror and versions of horror between horror and thriller and slasher and gore and all these different things. It's a taste. You know, it's almost like a sommelier. And like people who like their slasher and bloody movies want that and they crave that. So like Day of the Dead and their gore is different than Scream. You know what I mean? And so and Dawn of the Dead, it was like so much over the top with it, but it worked because that's what it was. It was zombies and stuff. So I think that this movie is, it is violent when it is violent. It's scary and thrilling. It is, there's repercussions. There's death and there's some gross death. But I do think it speaks to the world we're in right now. And I feel like people are almost somewhat desensitized. And I feel like it's made for the fan. And I also think it's made because the world is kind of crazy right now. As yeah. to, it might be a weird answer, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But like the woman, the heroine, you know, there's a lot of female winners in this movie. There's also some losers that you know, get killed, but there's also some dudes that get killed, but it's intense. The special effects of Gary Tunnicliffe who was part of that crew who was working on the X-Men. I think it's real. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what's... <laughs> and that might be jarring, but it is. Like, like I believe you wouldn't bleed that much, and I believe you would, and it's like, God, oh my God, like that one scene at the party, I'm like, we get it, he's dying. Like, cut away, but it's like, I don't know, you know the fans, they lap it up. Yeah. We're not saying go out there and do it we're just saying this is what a real depiction is there he is at the at the party right there on the tv oh yes <laughs> in the mask oh, why and the you, knife did you put that up for me we did yeah. see it's, dude that's a, a so, grisly scene so that in here. mask oh god i hope that becomes a halloween man oh there's oh, no dude. way it won't we're not gonna say too much about the mask but it's got a trick to it yes which i love yes yes trick yeah there's so many play on words there trick trick or trick yeah. Patrick, yeah. Trick, Patrick Lasuria. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, Trick. It's 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 all. There's definite meta f- feeling moments in this, right? And I feel like my character has room to grow. I got to talk about stand-up comedy. Go for it, because I think that that's got to be one of the scariest things in the world. <laughs> to do I equate to what you do with stand up like it must be like like skydiving without a parachute and especially these days right as a creator these days I want to know you got things like the me too movement you got having to be politically correct you got everybody in the audience with a cell phone who may or may not tape something put it out of context yeah the power of that now as a creator going to work on an act and about to present it is all that shit just jumbling inside your head now and just does it make the process even that more complicated and scary oh yeah it's a dicey time it's like right now i did like i'm feeling pressed for the movie you know and i did a podcast before this and i was talking about stuff i'm like did i say too much here did i say too much there and it's like because we live in a culture now where people want to get you and they want to it's such a deep convo i'll try to keep it simple it's people want to take you down and they want to your mere existence makes them feel less than and so how can i eliminate you it's not like hey you made a mistake let's talk it out it's like no you made a mistake 
you're done. There's no room for error. Right. And that's just not a fun, comfortable place to be. So stand-up is scary. It's not really as scary as it was, but there are moments when I still get, you know, a little nervous when I know I'm going to do a show with killer comedians, then I have to like keep my game up. But if it's just me headlining, you know, I feel pretty good about myself. But the way it is now is... uh, it's a beautiful time because more people who love what you do can get you very simply. Um, but it's a dicey time because more people that don't like you can get you simply. And it's just like everything is allowed to be joked about, you know? And it's just like, why? It's just bizarre how people, there's a lot of humorless people. There's a lot of humorless people, man. Like going back to those politicians last night, it just irked me. How many of them did you think were funny? But that's like the leader of our country. Shouldn't our leader of our country be charming? Right. Shouldn't he be funny or she be funny or shouldn't they be funny? I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. And I just think that comedy, people are going in the clubs now. So I did a show on Sunday night. I mean, you can look on Twitter and see it. A lady wrote a review of my show and how she didn't like all the jokes. Now it was uh, maybe 50% accurate of what she wrote, but 50% was wrong. She misrepresented a lot of certain things. Now the club, the improv is awesome. You know, they take away your phones, the comedy store, they take away your phones, you know? So you not allowed to have a phone until you leave because they know people will go in, film you and then put it out there and you'll get shamed for it. Right. It's the equivalent of going into someone's house outside of their house and watching them change their clothes. Now you may not agree with that, but I can explain why it's because it's a work in progress. A comedy club is a work in progress, not when we're on tour on the road, that's like our presented act. And we try to have a presented act every night, but sometimes the improv, the store, the factory places in LA are what we call showcase clubs where you're going to see star comedians every night. And sometimes we are working things out and you may not have it ready yet to be on TV or whatever. So if you or somebody may heckle you or something, you may have indigestion or whatever, and you may argue with somebody, you're vulnerable in that moment, which is fine. Put it on the internet. If you're going to be forgiving or hear both sides, but if you're going to put it on the internet and just try to take me down with no explanation, then no, we got to take your phone away. So that's where we're at. Is there times when you're writing and you're just like, ah, oh, this joke is, I'm worried at the response that this, or do you not let that enter your head? Yeah. I mean, listen, I will say this. There's a lot of things that are people writing on certain blogs where it's like, there's a term like white male comedians and all this stuff, which is true. Don't fall back on lazy jokes, which I understand. And that is a really good point. Like we have to like, it does force you to be creative and up your game. And certain comics are talking in the same idea circle their own way. But you know, like a lot of comics are talking about the pushback and stuff. And so it is forcing us to be more provocative and thought provoking, but it's also, you know, it's like, let us do what we're doing. But yeah, I definitely thought, well, how will this, the trick to comedy is if you take something that is really, really hard to make funny, especially now, how can you, make it funny. Those are the topics that should be talked about. Yeah. And it's just a matter of how to deliver it. That's a great positive spin on that too, though. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. You do an amazing podcast. You're, you're so good at podcasting. I yeah. Really? You are I, yeah. so good. You've seen it? I've seen it. I've seen it. Dude, it is so great. It's called, I hate to break it to you. I need help. I don't do it enough. Dude, you're, it's, it's a lot of work. When you do it, you're so good. Some of the Thank most you. sincere, candid stuff can be found by watching and listening to Jamie's podcast. This one I watched, and I've never seen this happen before. Hmm. You had someone in from the porn industry. Yeah. 
Yes. And you were basic you were basically trying to convince her out yes. of the porno industry. Yes. I've never heard that done before. And wow. you were so sincere and your argument I thought was so on point. It was such a just an interesting conversation. Thank you. And you know what's effed up is that a lot of the comics were let her do what she wants to do. I can't stop her from doing it, but I was trying to tell her that she's better than the porn industry. I'm not saying the porn industry is bad and a lot of people make their living at it but she had already done everything you can do in porn yeah and she conquered it so it was like okay that's a part of your life now now move on from that people thought i was like trying to hold her back it's bizarre because you know do porn i don't care i watch it (laughs) i try to watch it less i do because i do believe it is there's a darkness there that people don't exactly want to make those choices. It's not everybody. There are some people that are. Dr. Drew will ha- had this discussion with them. So I try not to contribute to it, but I do. And you mentioned that on the show. But you didn't yeah. want to contribute to the, the machine. Yeah, but she didn't see that, and that's her choice. But it's amazing how many people wanted her to do it and said, don't listen to me. So we have to look at that. What? Who are those guys? Right. Do they have their best interest in mind? Do you like podcasting? You like doing that? Listen, I love it. I love to... You're, you're, this is like the exact thing of every what they say. Like, this is like Art Bell on steroids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And to me, somewhere in the Rockies, west of... From the kingdom of Nye. I mean, it's like... We'll see you on the other side. Yes. And this is... I cannot divulge my location. He's out there in Pahrump. But it's like... Yep. This is... So, like, some of my funnest times in the business is, like, going in the K-Rock late at night. Yeah. And I go on there at 10 <laughs> o'clock, and I'm there till 12, and it's, like, deep in Culver City in this little studio, and then, like, no one's there, and it's just me and Drew and Adam, and, like, it's cozy, you know? So, in a world, I would. I would just podcast, but I like to do a lot of things, but it's a lot of work. You have to get it out. The marketing of it is a lot of work. And I do like it. I just a matter of getting people to hear it because I, I do feel like I've done some good ones and I feel like everybody has a podcast. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a Twitter. And so I do think about mine is it's if I can talk about things I'm passionate about, I will. And and if I could just have my audience follow me, it'd be awesome. But yeah, I yeah. do love it, but it's a lot of work. What sort of stuff you got going on right now? I know there's a coming to the stage is something that you've been working on right yeah is that out there so coming to the stage is a show i host it's like up and coming stand-up comics it's just you know simple showcase show and we just did that and there's a new television service called pluto which is owned by viacom and it's going to be like their own kind of netflix but free where you can watch a lot of content so that's going to be on pluto and i believe hulu but i'm not sure i did trick i just did a special and i'm waiting to see where that's going to land and i just finished a movie last Last week called Crabs in the Bucket and the good cast, Kathy Moriarty, Taryn Manning, Jeremy Piven, Bruce Dern, nice. uh, Zach McGowan. So that was a great movie. So now I'm just like literally just getting done. I'm wrapping up this press tour and then I uh, finish out the year and dates and figure out where I'm going to go. You know? That's awesome. The scream a is happening. Are you privy to that stuff that they do? What is it? I guess the owners of the Scream house. Yeah. Yeah. Actually is that have happening? like a party. Yeah. yeah. Roger told me about that. Yeah. Roger yeah. Jackson. And he said, "Yeah." And he said that uh, I think he went last year, and he said it was great. Yeah, I think 
they have like the you know, like, Jiffy Pop everywhere dude, and have it set up? I like think he that. calls people from the phone. <laughs> they have like a room set up. He's like, no, I'll cut you like a fish. <laughs> like, oh. awesome. So he's like, hey man, I, you know, they're paying me. It's so funny. But yeah, I, I heard that. I heard a Scream fan like you bought the Scream house yeah. and like left it Screamified. Yeah. yeah. Some dude like you. Like that's like so you, dude. That's amazing, right? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that house was. It was like a brand new like house built on like a tracked area. It's like in Santa Rosa somewhere. Santa Rosa. Yeah. It was awesome. We were filming on this little neighborhood every night for three weeks, that one scene. And it was awesome. awesome. I was going to say, Trick was just awesome, man. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah everybody's so got to go see this. Yes. Do you feel, yeah. I feel that we've got a new series. Oh, definitely. Right? right? Sure. I can see where it can go. Yep. It has elements of Halloween. It has elements of The Purge. It has elements of many movies that I like, but it's yeah. it's all wrapped up in its own thing. And I thought, this is really different. And it gets going super fucking fast. Oh, yeah. 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 Like oh, from yeah. go. That means yeah. it comes at you hard. Exactly. <laughs> Bloody. <laughs> <laughs> and perfect for the season too. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So yeah, make and it And we official. shot that, like anyone listening, like we shot that movie in like March or April. Oh, wow. Oh, shit. And that's why I love Patrick. He's like, brush, brush, brush. he knows exactly damn. what he wants, when it's done. I didn't that's even crazy. do any ADR. I did it right there oh, wow. on the damn set. Like, shit. this is what I love. Like, people complicate the process. Patrick knows what he's doing. It was done. I mean, within five months, it's out. Wow. It's awesome. New York? Is that where you film? Upstate New York Upstate somewhere? Upstate New York, yeah. Wow. yeah. And no, it was it a creepy beautiful. town. Really? Oh, it was scary, dude. It was cold, and it was just a tough time. And I was like, wow. <laughs> this is like the perfect place to film. Like, literally. Literally, like New York City is, you know, bustling in one place on the planet. And then like two hours outside of it, it's just this like old, scary, rundown, old mining town. Like, was it haunted? I felt like it was. Yeah. Like we filmed in a church. We filmed in a school. Beautiful we filmed scene, in a house. And it's just like, it was just, you know, it was cold and it was like abandoned. It was like a ghost town. Like damp? Damn. Yeah. It was like an old trolley that comes at night. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it, was just, it was just not a lot. And like he went to the local bar. Like I went in like to get food after rap one night. There was not a lot of places open. People just looking and like, like, what are you doing here? And I'm not kidding. That was the accent. It's upstate New York. What are you doing? Like from another dimension. Yeah, what the there hell? were hillbillies. I'm saying, like, come on over here, boy. Got a fat fanny. Yeah. <laughs> you looking for that chili? Like it was. <laughs> what the hell? man and Tom Atkins in this movie oh fuck what a standout oh he's, man he's, he's so amazing good. speaking of a legend he's yeah. a legend he got a lot of laughs yeah, he was funny and he was he's great that oh, guy man. is just like Captain Positivity <laughs> and he's right. so good and such an iconic just you know him when you see him you know exactly who he is yep. mm-hmm. so he, that's another reason I wanted to do it I mean again though I think it's a good movie I think, think it's just a genre movie you know what I mean no, I think, it's great and I think you guys understand that I just hate it when sometimes they go this is a comedy some comedies are just great movies I think this one will make a mark everybody go see the yes. movie yes. trick yes. Yep. right now you yep. can get it now by the time this airs yeah you'll be yep. able to get it now Jamie thank you man so much yeah, thank you thank so you. much Pleasure, for coming dude. thank you guys for you were awesome me. seriously yeah. thank you guys favorite guest 
podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Amazing. Awesome. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 75. Special thanks to our guest, Jamie Kennedy. Follow Jamie Kennedy on Instagram, at uh, Jamie Kennedy, on Twitter, at Jamie Kennedy. If you're listening to this at time of release, Trick is available in select theaters, VOD, and digital now. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, there are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.